This is WrestleZone Radio, presented by WrestleZone.com. Find us on iTunes. Welcome back, WrestleZone Radio listeners. It's me, Nick Hausman, and I am thrilled to bring you a fun Friday exclusive interview here with a book I've been waiting to talk about. Ever since I heard that this was even a book, I knew I wanted to read it, and the fact that I'm going to have a chance to sit here and chat with the author himself right now uh, is very exciting for me. Of course, the book is Trump Mania, Vince McMahon, WWE, and the Making of America's 45th President. It is Levy Margolin. Levy, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with me. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Now, Levy, uh, first of all, why? Why did you feel the need to write this book? Well, um, I wasn't uh, somebody that had followed politics closely up to the 2016 presidential election, but Trump was just such a fascinating and entertaining character that I found it so captivating to watch the debates and um, interviews to see what he would say. And while watching it, I would often remark to my wife, about his background in professional wrestling and how um, certain uh, characterizations of his opponents, um, like assigning easy nicknames to them, um, Lying Ted, um, talking about Marco Rubio's small hands, they just seemed to come from professional wrestling. And after election night, it was actually a, a difficult time for my family and I. And at a certain point, I actually said, let's stop talking about Donald Trump. I don't want to think about Donald Trump every night. Um, uh, but as I was um, speaking to a friend about certain book projects that I had coming up, I've been, written a few books in the career and job search space. I happened to mention that I wanted to do a deeper dive on Trump's relationship with professional wrestling and the WWE. And he got so excited about that idea that it got me excited. And I put everything else I had on hold in terms of book writing and I dived right into it. Yeah, and you know that's it's interesting to hear that because I reading the book, I really couldn't tell what your political leanings were. It's a very not it's a it's weird because it's a political book, but it's not really a it's not really a political book because it's more of a wrestling history book with an emphasis on the history revolving around Donald Trump. Do you think that's a, a fair assessment of the book? Yes, I think um, it was important to be factual and not overlay my. Um, political leanings over it to where um, one would have to interpret it sort of in a way that they would agree or disagree with it, but more to delve into the facts as much as possible and present them as, as I found them and saw them. And somebody can make their own decision. I've heard from people on both sides of the spectrum um, feeling that uh, for some people it might have reinforced Trump as a uh, uh, a leader and somebody that's been successful in a variety of areas. And for others, it might show, um, you know, where his strategies come from and some of the things they disagree with uh, that he might have uh, been privy to in the world of professional wrestling. Yeah, that's the thing is it, it does. It, it very much shows the good with the bad. I think that's a perfect way for you to describe it there, because there were parts of it where I was like, wow, this this is just two very smart businessmen that have that have got people on the hook and then i read other stuff like for example here uh in one of the early chapters i believe it was chapter one actually you were talking about wrestlemania 4 and how trump was sitting right next to labuti uh a mafia figure somebody had ties to the mafia is that is that right 
Yes, um, that was a fascinating thing that came out uh, during the uh, election season. Somebody had uh, dug in and done that research that um, he was sitting with this um, uh, mobster and his daughter. And the mobster uh, had really strong ties to Trump, even naming his racehorse after Trump. Uh, and Trump denied knowing him. Um, some of the interesting uh, connections between them, uh, Trump's casino actually had to pay a fine because um, they acquiesced to this guy's demands that um, um, no women and uh, no people that weren't um, uh, white should go near him. You know, he was a real racist, according to the article. So uh, to make money, they... Um, uh, really accommodate this person uh, who wants to do some some terrible things. Wow. And denied it, right? He was like, I don't even know. I don't know who this guy is. I've never heard of him. Labuti, La what? And he was on camera next to this guy, right? On like pay-per-view, <laughs> right? Yes. And uh, it was it was great as the, the guy, he didn't really want the publicity. He was just there to enjoy the show or just be with Trump. So sometimes they would pan to him and he would just be staring dead into the camera, kind of like uh, scaring people away from looking at him. Man, I read that and I literally I was reading and I have an office and I, I put the book down. I walked into the room I was and I looked at my girlfriend, Liz, and I was like, Liz. You'll never look. You'll never guess what I've learned in the first chapter of this book that I am reading about Donald Trump. I I don't know. There's a there's a couple other interesting documentaries you can watch about the ties between Trump and and those kinds of characters. But I had I did not know he was sitting ringside at WrestleMania four until I until I read that. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you about uh, since I got you here, and I got a, I got a couple I got like a list of questions here to ask you about. But what do you what did you learn about Donald Trump's childhood wrestling was he was he like a kid that liked wrestling he very much comes across to me as a guy who always like liked it but I didn't really get a vibe of like what his wrestling enthusiasms were before meeting Vince McMahon no that's a great question and that was never exactly revealed um we do get a sense that growing up in New York, um, in uh, the um, uh, around the Kew Gardens Hills, um, Jamaica, actually, excuse me, Jamaica State's area of Queens, which is um, a wealthy area of Queens, um, not too far from Sunnyside Gardens, which was a WWWF stop, and certainly um, not too far on the subway from Madison Square Garden. One would expect that he would have been exposed to professional wrestling um, at, at his age time period. I imagine that would be the Bruno Sammartino area, but I've never read an interview where he talks about his passion for the sport or attending the event with, the fa with his father. He does mention at a certain point that his father was really proud um, uh, that yeah. he knew Andre the Giant and his father would have been proud of him for being in the Hall of Fame, but their fandom and, and passion for it, uh, for which were his favorite wrestlers, isn't exactly clear. You know who I want to ask about the Trump relationship with wrestling right now is Bill Apter. I may, I may actually, I'm going to text Bill Apter as soon as this interview is over because they're like the same age. He would know. Yes, and Bill was, was kind enough to accept a copy of the book, and he um, he mentioned that he talked about it on his podcast. I do have to catch up on that. I'd love to uh, he doesn't talk, learn more about what he Bill thought. And, and to be fair, Bill doesn't talk politics. I actually hit him up about this book, and he's like, I'll promote it on the site, but I would be – he he would – he wouldn't do what I'm doing with you right now and have a, a frank political or this isn't even really a political discussion. This is more of a discussion about Trump, but Bill's 
that's not his bag. He doesn't talk politics, though I know he was very interested to read it. So uh, I thank you for sending that to him. Uh, you also, uh, there was a couple interesting wrestling relationships that, co- that kind of consistently come up throughout the book. The first one I want to start with is probably the most ridiculous to me, and that's Brutus the Barber Beefcake. What is it? Is it the fact that he has got weird hair and he's like, this guy's a barber and that's ridiculous? Is, is that what you think it was that, that attracted him to Brutus the Barber Beefcake? I think it's interesting that there's a few characters that sort of find their way into the story and you can sort of look back on it and, and make connections later. It, it just was sort of, you know, um, began as a coincidence of timing that uh, Brutus Beefcake, of course, was a, um, a well-known um, wrestler during the first era when, when Trump gets involved, certainly the WrestleMania 4 and 5 era. And Beefcake being Beefcake, from from what we know about him, he gets into uh, certain hijinks and can't um, stop himself from getting into trouble, being his own worst enemy at certain points. So there's a a great story that comes out uh, from the book, The History of of WrestleMania, um, where he... receive some comp tickets to the event at the uh, convention hall. And he uh, asked one of the executives from Trump's administration to go on the boardwalk, sell the tickets for him and uh, bring him back the cash. So um, you have to love beefcake for that, but certainly we can see (laughs) intertwined the, um, the hair angle. Um, which which comes to the forefront much later as, as a money drawing uh, event for Trump and McMahon and um, sort of like full circle when Trump is being uh, elected into the WWE Hall of Fame. There's an interview with Beefcake where he's you know a little bit jealous and upset that somebody like Trump would be in where he wouldn't be. That doesn't sound like Brutus Beefcake at all. Upset about the business of professional wrestling. That doesn't sound like Brutus. Uh, there was uh, uh, another another connection I thought was interesting. Jesse Ventura. Obviously, right? These guys both went on into politics. Um, what do you think it is about pro wrestling that attracts guys like Trump and Ventura? And uh, Linda's not really, I don't put in the same skin, but definitely Vince. What What is it that, about pro wrestling that attracts politicians? There's uh, an aspect of um, being able to be a hype man, um, somebody that can uh, relate to a variety of people, certainly in, in politics and professional wrestling. The people that are widely successful and popular can appeal to uh, a wide base of audiences and really uh, connect with uh, the people. Um, uh, somebody that's uh, not afraid to um, speak and, and uh, uh, tell people what they want to hear. Um, as somebody uh, it's really fascinating because um in doing my uh research i had been surprised i didn't realize that trump actually went on the campaign trail on jesse ventura's behalf i saw that i was i i vaguely remember something about that but i was not as uh politically active at the time and actually a little bit out of wrestling when that happened but i read that and i i don't know because they both kind of are cut from similar political ideologies I feel like, and I, I, I would love to know more about the relationship between Jesse and Donald because I feel like there's a lot there that nobody knows about. Yeah, and it seemed to be sort of 
um, a relationship of convenience at, at certain times where uh, Trump could attach himself to Ventura's rising star and Ventura could use somebody like Trump to really uh, increase his own celebrity and um, have that comfortable relationship. But when Trump was really going for the presidency, Ventura was sort of seen in the public eye almost as a, a crackpot where um, it'd be very politically dangerous to get involved with somebody like this. Um, he had his run as the governor and sort of went downhill from there. So uh, although Ventura campaigned, not, not campaigned, but sort of like promoted Trump early on and wanted to be the vice president, um, Trump sort of stayed away from it. And it's very interesting because Ventura in the end voted for someone else. Yeah. Um, and, and and now Ventura is on the RT network, right? He works for Russian state media. Um Tell me what you learned about Trump's relationship with Russia while making this book, because it does come up a couple times as well when we talk about connections. Yes, I think the the most interesting um, connection between Trump and Russia comes not from the wrestling world, but um, its cousin, the mixed martial arts world. Um, Trump um, was somebody that is good at identifying certain trends and uh, popular sports or activities that might not be thought of well by the public, like professional wrestling, but really appeals to the people. So um, besides connecting with the UFC, as it was emerging, um, for the second time as a sport, um, Trump hosted at the Trump Taj Mahal uh, events that had been promoted by the um, promoter that was affiliated with um, Fedor Emelianenko, uh, one of the top or one of the all-time great uh, heavyweights who went on about an eight or nine year undefeated streak. Um, I actually happened to be at one of those events, which was USA uh, versus Russia, or the world versus Russia. And, um, Candidly, although I can't verify this, um, the friend that I went with was Russian, and he kind of got the sense that there was a lot of Russian um, uh, gangsters in the audience. Wait, but, wait, wait. So, You're telling me the man that sat ringside with somebody with gangster ties at WrestleMania 4 would then do another event where there could be gangsters ringside? <laughs> And so this was sort of an early relationship that grew to um, an affiliation with Affliction and um, some other big names in the sport where it, it quickly burst onto the scene with um, three events or at least three events planned that the first couple events did well, about 100,000 buys, but uh, with Fedor um, headlining and Trump um, attaching his name to it. But by the third event, um, Josh Barnett uh, tested positive for steroids and that event had to be canceled. So it was, um, it was a quick uh, relationship with um, a Russian operation. A quick relationship with a Russian op operation. I feel like that's going to be on a T-shirt or the name of another book. Um, let's talk about the Donald J. Trump Foundation. I know I'm kind of jumping around here, and there's a lot in the in this book, in the, and I'm kind of going from the beginning and the end because there was more I didn't know about in those areas, but uh, the book is great. Uh, but I do want to talk about the Donald J. Trump Foundation while I have you here. Uh, what is your take on the Donald J. Trump Foundation um, and the fact that the McMahons have given... So much money to it. So the 
the foundation has been a convenient place for the McMahons to uh, give Trump um, his payoffs for the event, uh, for the events that he's participated in. Um, they've been, uh, I believe, the biggest donors to um, the foundation. Um, Trump uh, had donated early on to it, but then uh, uh, when you look at records he had in, in, in many years, so um, it's sort of a convenient at arm's length um, organization because um, at certain points, Trump could say, well, I didn't, you know, I didn't really accept money from WWE or the McMahons. It, it went to the foundation. And Vince McMahon even might say that WWE didn't pay Trump. It came from his uh, private money that went to the foundation as well. So it's a, um, so it's a it was- charitable expense for WWE to donate to this foundation. And then the money in this foundation, what is that money? Is it what is it used for, Levy? Um, that's a that's a great question. Um, I don't have that uh, uh, in front of me at the moment, but ah, um, ah, from what I understand, it hasn't been that charitable. Ah, uh, art. I think there. Are, I think it's. Go, I think it goes to art, arts, uh, something of of that nature. Anyway, uh, I just. I think that's a very. In- it's very interesting how the Donald J. Trump Foundation. It's been talked about. It's been covered. I know that that they had to. I think it's shut down now. But the fact that that's where all the money went, I always just had a lot of questions about what that relationship was like. So I just figured I'd put it on you here since you've been researching it so uh, dutifully for the past several while now. And uh, it's amazing that um, when you look at the donations going back and forth between the political campaigns, uh, Trump might have given uh, $5,000 to uh, Linda McMahon's campaign and Linda gave, you know, several hundred thousand or, or millions to, to, to Trump. Say, is so, it like $6.5 million? Is that what you said that the McMahons gave to Trump's uh, political campaign? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, uh, you know, sometimes the numbers get a little bit cloudy between what went for the payoffs for the wrestling and uh, what went for the political campaigns. It is interesting that uh, near what is it? Nearly a hundred million dollars spent, or over a hundred million dollars spent on Linda trying to get into the Senate, unsuccessful. Donald Trump largely coasts on social media uh, and ca- uh, donations, obviously from the McMahon family, but is able to get to the highest. Uh, seat in the land, and he brings Linda McMahon along for the ride here. Um, why Linda? How did she wind up in the role? Just re- I know that you you cover this in the book, and I don't want to give the book away here, but but why do you think that Linda was brought in uh, into this position, and uh, is she right for this position? Um, so Linda always had, uh, or at least for the last several years, political aspirations, like you mentioned, in Connecticut. She had um, two unsuccessful runs, uh, two years apart, for the Connecticut Senate, um, spending just under $100 million. So she couldn't uh, meet her political aspirations through election, but through her friendship with Trump, um, she was able to obtain an office with the administrator of the Small Business Administration. Um Well, is she qualified? I think we have to sort of look at the climate of today. Um, If we are to look at something like um, an environmental uh, group like the EPA, who becomes the head of that? Somebody that might have sued the EPA before and be anti-environmental. So in that sort of climate, when you look at Linda McMahon, although um, she has a good tale of being a small business owner and um, it's hard to tell how accurate it is that she says that Vince and her had shared a desk, 
Um, they were so desperate at, at a certain point and rented a typewriter um, to to get uh, the job done. Um, she has, you know, helped to run a business that's been successful, although obviously it didn't start from scratch. And when you're able to acquire um, the most successful regional wrestling company in the world that um, sold out Madison Square Garden and Spectrum and Boston Garden for many, many years with San Martino and then Bob Backlund. Um, but she still did you know, a good job with what she did, putting aside a um, memo or two to Pat Patterson that was ill-timed. Uh, yeah, that I remember the candy, right? Like Pat was looking for the the boys to get their candy. Isn't that isn't that right? Yes, I don't know why you put those things in writing, but I think they learned from that. Well, I put it in writing because those were my notes for this interview. But yes, I don't know why <laughs> Pat would put that in writing either. Um, uh, I also wanted to bring up uh, an interesting note here from uh the part of the book about Linda entering because it's it's crazy it's just crazy to me that. You know, the 25th Amendment, Linda McMahon is one of, what, eight or nine people that if she got together could decide that the president should no longer be president and send that to a vote in Congress. Is, is that, Am I wrong on that? Um, that's a little bit outside of my knowledge. That, that, okay. that would be very interesting, though. That would be shocking, certainly. It would certainly be shocking, and I don't think it would ever happen. But explaining that to some of my influential wrestling fans that know Linda, and it's like, guys, this is the power of Linda McMahon right now. Uh, is just uh, it's just crazy. Anyway, Linda's there, and one of the it's it's interesting when you put people like Trump and and McMahon in the political bubble, right? Because they very much live in their own bubbles, and now they're in this bubble where there's a lot of rules, right? There's a lot of questions that get asked when you know you're in a law lawmaker's environment, and one of the things that uh, Tammy Duck Tammy Duckworth from right here in my backyard of Illinois, I'm in Chicago questioned Linda about, I guess, behind closed doors, was WWE using their talent under 1099 as independent contractors. Do you think that that's a, a, a discussion that's going to come up more with the McMahons in the spotlight now, in the position they're at? I think with the way professional wrestling has always been positioned, sort of like um, as, as Vince McMahon had positioned it, you know, we put smiles on people's faces don't take us too seriously when um, a tragedy happens. We can sort of move beyond that because we make people happy. I think people always look at pro wrestling sort of um, not necessarily as real people, maybe as you would look at the circus. So they, they've always seemed to be able to get away with that. Although from my understanding of labor law, you know, when you control a person's schedule, their time, their place, you tell them where they can work, when they can work, how they can work and so on. That's not really an independent contractor, but for whatever reasons, uh, with Jerry McDivitt um, and the state of Connecticut, they've always been very strong on that. And they've either, I don't know if they've specifically won cases about it, but they've always been able to outlast any challenges to that. So I think, unfortunately, uh, Tammy Duckworth really, she had the opportunity to question Linda about that under oath. For some reason, Linda's behind closed doors meetings with all of these senators seemed to wow them, and she just let it go. She see, and it really does seem like Linda McMahon is the one person in that administration where everybody just seems to nod their head and be like, I'm okay with it. And that's wild to me because she lost twice for the Senate, right? But she's... She's the one that everybody just seems to be like, 
I'm there for it. I'm okay. And I've never heard a bad word about Lyndon McMahon, so I it doesn't surprise me at all that everybody uh, loves her on on the Hill. But it's just it's one of those things for me that's that's crazy. Uh, I want to wrap it up here, Levy, and I I tried not to give away too much about the book in this interview. I really encourage you guys to, especially if you're somebody that if you like uh, Bruce Pritchard's uh, something to wrestle with podcast, or if you're a wrestling historian and you really just want to see every gritty detail involving Donald Trump in the wrestling business, go find Trump Mania. It's not it's 200 something pages, but it's a quick read. I put it away in about a day and a half. Um, I just wanted to ask you, Levy, what do you, at the end of the day, think America can learn from the fact that Donald Trump is president and used pro wrestling tactics? Is is the is the answer to problems also in what Donald Trump did using pro wrestling tactics? I think that what we can learn is that people. Um, can really be, um, I don't want to say manipulated, but the way that information is processed is the way to um, really capture an audience and be successful. So by creating um, buzzwords um, about opponents, by really painting people with pictures, um, Bush never recovered by uh, being called low energy. He really captured um, the interest of a certain group of people and succeeded. So no matter what um, side of the political aisle you sit on, it's not just about the ideas and your plans. It's more about connecting with people and being memorable. Do you think that the techniques that brought Trump to power will also be the techniques that bring him down from power? I think that using the same strategy, sort of like when you think about eras of pro wrestling, you, to have the next Hulk Hogan, um, Stone Cold couldn't use the same tactics. And John Cena couldn't use the same tactics as Stone Cold. We're really learning from those things and evolving and becoming better at it. So being able to connect with the people, but not using some of the same low rent techniques. Lowering techniques. All right. Hey, uh, Levy, I uh, I really enjoyed this chat. Um, I hope I can catch up with you another time. Anytime a political story comes across my desk that gets a lot of buzz, you're going to be on my phone. I'm going to be texting you. I'm going to want to bring you on to help me figure out what you think is, is really going on here. Because one of the things I thought that was so good about Trump mania was you're talking about larger-than-life characters, and you humanize them in such a way where their decisions make sense, where I can understand why they did things. And I wanted, uh, and this isn't a knock on the book, but I wanted a, like a little bit more backstory on, you know, Trump the wrestling fan, which I guess we talked about at the top, uh, and, and why they came into it. But man, it is it is really just a, to- a tome here. If you're a wrestling historian and you're, you're interested in this topic, I absolutely think you should go find it. It is on Amazon. Right now, all signs point to Amazon. Go find Trump Mania. And Levy, uh, is there any final thoughts you have? Is there any anything else we can learn from this book? I feel like you did such a great job uh, putting it all together there in the end. And uh, I don't. For me, I really do feel that pro wrestling is something that can bring people together. Right? It makes. It, I don't know if you feel the same way, Levy, but it makes me so sad to see techniques, uh, archetypes from pro wrestling being used to propagate uh, negative campaigns. And 
if people can figure out that the good guys get together to beat the bad guys and you can have more positive rhetoric, um, I, I don't know. It, it, it's just a bizarre time for me, but I, I, I enjoyed the book and I, I enjoyed chatting with you about it. I, does, did what I just say resonate? Are you getting kind of weird answers like that when people talk to you about your book right now, Levy? No, it definitely did resonate with me, and it, it is a pleasure hearing from people on you know all the different sides of the spectrum. Um, I myself, I'm I'm a moderate, and it is disappointing that we live in a world where uh, we could call one cable news station uh, ultra conservative, and we call another cable news station ultra liberal. Because I think oftentimes the truth is somewhere in the middle, and we have to understand each other. And something like pro wrestling does bring us together and allows us to sort of manage the challenges of life through art and entertainment but that's what the thing is like i feel like i'm politically moderate but i you know entertainment is it's supposed to be over the top right and when you bring entertainment into the politics there's a certain inherent over the topness about it that it's it's weird it's never really been a part of american the american political culture like it is right now would you agree with that yeah, I think um, especially with um, media being so diverse and, and people being able to have a voice in so many different ways, you don't need sort of the national outlets. You could have a Twitter uh, or, or any other forum on Facebook and so on. So you could connect with audiences in different ways, and it doesn't always have to be traditional. All right, we'll leave it there. Thank you very much, Levy. I hope to chat with you here uh, again another time. Thank you.